Choosing what vegetables and fruit to grow in your backyard garden can be overwhelming. There are so many choices. I have some tips for you today that can help you decide what you should grow in your backyard garden. Let's dig in. Welcome to Homegrown, your backyard garden podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Rogers, and together we'll explore growing a successful vegetable garden no matter where you live. Every spring, you can walk into the big box stores, the farm stores, the feed stores, and the garden centers, and you'll find a large display of seeds, probably close to the front door, with what seems like hundreds of seed packets. Those bright, eye-catching photos of gorgeous plants and flowers stir your imagination and beg you to take them home. I know, they draw me in like a magnet. Maybe you also received a seed catalog in the mail over the winter, or you've discovered seed websites online, and you're chomping at the bit to grow some beautiful and delicious produce, but you just don't quite know where to start. It's so easy to pick up packet after packet until your hands are full and you're beyond excited to get them all in the ground. And then when you get home, you realize that you don't have enough room to plant them all, like not even close. It can be hard to choose what vegetables to grow in your garden, whether you're planting in the ground, in raised garden beds, or in pots or containers. Deciding what to plant can just be hard. But let's back up a bit. Before you start buying seeds or trays of those already started plants in early spring, let's decide exactly what you should be planting. Not only will it probably save you some money, but it can also help you be more successful at growing and harvesting healthy food for you and your family. I have seven tips today to help you decide what to grow in your vegetable garden. So grab a pen and a paper, a cup of coffee or another beverage, and have a seat. And let's start at the beginning. My first tip is the easiest and the most important. You should grow what you and your family like to eat. I mean, if you don't like broccoli, don't grow broccoli. There is no sense in growing broccoli. Buying the seeds or the started plants, planting them, watering them, pulling the weeds, nurturing them, if no one's going to eat it. So, first let's make a list of the vegetables and fruit that you and your family do like to eat. If you love salads, you can grow a variety of salad vegetables, such as lettuce and other greens, radishes, green onions, and so on. If your children love to snack on strawberries, add strawberries to your list. Carrots, beets, sweet potatoes, green beans, Write them all down. You can dream big at this point. We'll narrow down the list later. My second tip is to grow what's expensive to buy at the store. I'm sure you've noticed that some fresh fruits and vegetables are really expensive to buy at the grocery store. I mean, like, even when they're in season. I know that nowadays we can buy pretty much any kind of produce any time of year. But of course, they're imported from other places, when they aren't in season locally. I'm a fan of eating seasonally, by the way, of eating foods when they are fresh in my area, not on the other side of the world. Local foods are fresher and tastier than food that has been shipped from somewhere else. 
and some produce items are stored for months so that they can be offered in a grocery store. But who wants to eat a tomato that was picked months ago? Tomatoes that are grown for storage, for longevity, obviously aren't grown for their taste, right? They're grown because they store well. But let's face it, some produce, even when it is in season, is just plain expensive. I love fresh berries, for instance. While strawberries aren't too terribly expensive, raspberries and blackberries are harder to find and are always higher in price. Blackberries, can you say expensive? Whew! And blackberries are my favorite. I was thrilled to find that we had wild blackberries growing in our back pasture. And after I braved the thorns and the chiggers, an occasional snake, and even a chance encounter with a coyote that scared us both nearly to death, I realized just why blackberries are so expensive. But you can grow many of these vegetables and fruits in your backyard garden. Growing them yourself is a great way to save money on your grocery bill and still eat the foods you love. So for now, let's put a star next to the items on your list that are expensive to buy at the store because you can surely grow them at home for less money. Next, let's check out the Dirty Dozen list. If you're not familiar with this list, each year the Environmental Working Group updates their list of the 12 fruits and vegetables with the highest levels of pesticide residue. I'll put this link in the show notes so you can check it out yourself. In 2023, strawberries and spinach had the highest levels of pesticides. Kale, collards, and mustard greens are up there too. So if you eat kale thinking it's one of the healthiest foods out there, well, unless it's organic kale, it's not as healthy as you might think. The Dirty Dozen list contains some fruits that are grown on trees, such as cherries and peaches. We'll skip over those for today, but then you'll also find peppers, blueberries, and green beans on the list. But if you grow these foods in your backyard, you'll know that they're organically grown and safe to eat. Compare this dirty dozen list with the list of foods that you and your family enjoy eating and put another star next to your favorites that are on this dirty dozen list. My fourth tip is to grow the vegetables and fruits that taste so much better fresh. Let's face it, canned asparagus tastes nothing like fresh crisp asparagus harvested at just the right time. You can roast grill, saute, and prepare fresh asparagus in so many ways that are impossible with limp, soggy asparagus from a can. Honestly, there's no comparison. And frozen spinach bears no resemblance to fresh spinach. I'm sure you can think of a few more vegetables and fruits that taste so much better when they're fresh. If any of those are on the list you've made of your favorite fruits and veggies, put another star next to them. If it's not on your list, you might want to add it. These first four tips have been about adding possibilities to your list. Things that you like to eat, that are better fresh, that are expensive to buy, and that contain high amounts of pesticides and other chemicals if they are commercially grown. Now we'll narrow down your list a bit. As much as we would love to grow all the things, there are probably some limitations you'll need to work around. The first is your climate. Depending on where you live, you might experience four definite seasons, or you may not. 
you'll need to plant what grows well in your growing zone, in your area. Some plants need a longer growing season than others do, and some need cooler temperatures than others. Growing the right plants in your garden can be the difference between success and failure. In a nutshell, a growing season is the number of frost-free days, or shall we say frost-free nights. A gardener in a warmer climate will have a longer growing season than someone in a cold climate. So for instance, our daughter who lives in the Rocky Mountains has such a short growing season, just a little over 100 days, that she can barely grow small cherry tomatoes. Tomato plants will die if they are unprotected from frost. So trying to grow big beefsteak tomatoes, which require much more time to mature than cherry tomatoes, would be a waste of her limited garden space. But at least she can grow tomatoes with some success. Back when our family lived in the high desert of Wyoming, our growing season was just 39 days long. Just a little over one month. No way could we grow tomato plants, or very many other things either. Here in Oklahoma, where we live now, we have hot summers and a long growing season. Our growing season is approximately 214 days. I can grow tomatoes with ease. On the other hand, trying to grow lettuce all summer in my Oklahoma garden would be a waste of my efforts. Lettuce and other cool season crops don't flourish in our very hot summers, although recently I have found some heat-tolerant varieties that so far have grown pretty well for me in the heat. Other examples are okra and green beans that grow very well in Oklahoma, while rhubarb grows well in colder climates and is very hard to grow where I live. So it helps to know the approximate length of your growing season when you are choosing what to grow in your backyard garden. I'll put a link in the show notes to a website that will tell you how long your growing season is when you put in your zip code, although it does only cover the U.S. Seed companies include information on their seed packets or in the descriptions of the average number of days needed until a plant variety is ready to harvest, so you'll be able to decide if those seeds will grow well for you or not. But for now, just find the dates of your last frost in the spring and your first frost in the autumn and how long your growing season is and add this information to that list we're making. You can use it to narrow down your what to plant list. Next, let's see what will fit in the space you have available. If you have a very small garden, you might not want to grow space hog plants like squash and melons, although you can grow these plants vertically on a heavy-duty trellis to save space. For instance, watermelon vines can grow from 3 to 6 feet long on average, but some varieties can reach 15 feet or longer. Butternut squash vines one of my favorites, can grow 10 to 12 feet in length. And then they send off branches that go off in different directions and keep going and sprawl all over the yard. So thinking about your space will also help you decide how much of something to plant. You don't have to plant a whole packet of seeds, by the way. You might even want just two or three plants of something. Maybe you like sliced radishes on a homegrown salad but you don't have to grow three dozen radish plants that will all be ripe at the same time. Instead, you can plant a few seeds and save the rest of them in the packet and plant them next year. 
If stored correctly, they can still be viable for several years. In previous episodes of Homegrown, we talked about growing smaller varieties of some vegetable plants that are more suited for pots and containers. This also applies to smaller gardens, so check out episodes number three and number five for some ideas. And next, grow plants with light requirements that fit your garden. Most fruit and vegetables grow best in full sun, so if your garden space is less than ideal, you'll need to choose plants that can tolerate some shade. The general rule of thumb is that if you're growing a plant for the root, like beets, or for the leaves, like lettuce, those plants can generally grow in partial shade. But if you're growing a plant for its fruit, such as tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, and so on, you'll need to plant those in full sun. So if your garden is shaded by several big old oak trees, you might not be able to grow tomatoes successfully. If this is a consideration in your backyard, go through your list and mark the fruits and vegetables that might not grow well in your garden's location. My ebook, How to Grow Vegetables and Herbs in a Shady Garden, can help you take advantage of the light you do have. If your yard is in deep shade all day long, though, you will be limited in what you can grow successfully. Now that you've done some research and thought about your space, your growing season, and what plants will probably grow well in your garden, you can make decisions about what vegetables and fruits you should grow. Those seven tips again are to start by identifying the vegetables and fruit you and your family like to eat. Then identify the veggies that are expensive to buy at the store and that you could grow at home for less money. Find out which of your favorite foods are on the dirty dozen list and grow them at home so you'll know that they are organically grown and good for you. Grow what tastes so much better when it's fresh. Then identify what grows well in your location and the length of your growing season. If your garden doesn't get six to eight hours of full sun daily, choose plants that can grow in partial sun. And finally, Grow what grows well and what fits in your space. You should have a good idea now of what vegetables will grow well in your own garden, and you can pick and choose from that list according to what your family likes to eat, what tastes best, and what will save you money so you can eat your favorite foods more often. I hope these tips helped you narrow down your list and choose what vegetables and fruits you will grow this year. In our next episode, We'll dive into whether you should grow from seeds or if you should buy started plants for your garden instead. I hope you'll come back and join us. And in the meantime, I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends, too. Leaving a review would be fantastic. And as always, you'll find the link to the transcript of this episode and all the links that I have mentioned in the show notes. Here's how to stay connected with me. You'll find me on my blog, oakhillhomestead.com, on Facebook at Oak Hill Homestead, and on Instagram at Oak Hill Homestead. Thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you here next time on Homegrown, your backyard garden podcast.